0: Welcome to the Alternative Data Podcast. Welcome to the Alternative Data Podcast, powered by Expel. I'm Mark Fleming Williams. In this episode, I speak to James Kardatsky of Quiver Quantitative, a company with an innovative vision to bring alternative data to the retail investor en masse. In other news, please join James, myself, and also Peter Backer of Unhedged on Wednesday at 10am EST for a conversation about alternative data and the retail investor. Alt data lawyer Kelly Kosciuszka will also talk us through the ramifications of the SEC's recent app Annie Judgment. Join the LinkedIn group in the episode links for more details.
1: Yeah, so I first founded Quiver Quantitative in the winter of 2020. I was working an internship at a hedge fund out in Boston where I was working closely with alternative data. And one of the things I realized in working there was that there's a lot of really useful alternative data sources that can be scraped from around the web at a very low cost and that really provide a lot of value to investors across the board, not just professional investors, but there are data sets out there that I thought could be really useful for retail Uh, non-professional investors as well
0: what kind of alternative data were you using in the in the internship
1: yeah yeah so at the internship is mostly looking at uh different forum data talking about specifically looking at the conversations surrounding different medical devices so what we were doing was looking at some of the communities specifically like the diabetic communities and looking at how they viewed different devices that were out there um you know that that was kind of the work i was doing within that internship setting
0: interesting and so you saw that and you thought hmm scrape looking at what conversations are happening online there's there's a business in that um yeah and so and so quiver quantitative happened how did that how did that come about
1: yeah yeah so when we first started working on it this was uh my co-founder and i were both in college at the time uh we're, we're twin brothers so we were, you know we we're both obviously working pretty closely together but we started it more as a hobby than anything else where Initially, what we were doing was scraping all of the discussion that was happening on the Wall Street Bets uh, investing community and then creating visualizations and dashboards to display that data in a way where it was very easy for people to follow what was being talked about and then also follow uh, how the community as a whole was performing versus the market.
0: I gotta say James, that was phenomenal foresight um in terms of biggest news of the the biggest news of the year ahead. You gave yourself just enough time to 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 build a run up um and then and then it became the largest story in the world and about about twelve months later, so
1: quite lucky with the timing there and it was actually funny because like you know leading up to the gamestop uh you know when it made like huge headlines prior to that there there had been lots of instances where you'd have a company you know companies like hertz uh would have a big price spike, and there would be much smaller headlines about how retail investing was really starting to dominate the market. So even like leading up to GameStop, there were definitely signs that uh, retail investing was playing a larger and larger impact on how certain companies' price prices were moving. Um, but we really had you know no idea that there was going to be something to that large of a magnitude, was you know being talked about all over the place, not just within financial circles.
0: Why did you it's interesting that you just said that you started with Wall Street Bets which turned out to be the epicenter of this phenomenon. Why did you choose Wall Street Wall Street Bets in the first place?
1: Yeah, so I guess you know one of the central theses I guess that myself and my co-founder both have is that retail investing is, you know, obviously it's it's growing quickly, it's it's been growing for several years now and we also think that there's a lot to be gained from understanding how retail investors think about the market and how Uh, You know, they're discussing certain stocks. So um, from the start, we saw that this could be a data source that would be, you know, not only really interesting, just because I think that the way that that community views and thinks about stocks is pretty interesting in comparison to how professionals may view and think about stocks, but also something that could be really useful for um, you know, thinking about how certain companies were going to trend and, you know, what companies are going to be the meme stocks of the future to a certain extent. So um, we've always been really interested in that community, but also it was, um, you know, data that's out there and very accessible and was was a good starting point for us in terms of, uh, you know, being able to collect it and visualize it.
0: So a lot of us kind of came to the idea of Wall Street Bets when it hit the front front page of the, of the, of the newspapers in the beginning of this year. Are you are you saying then that once you decided that retail uh, investors was going to be your focus, then actually back in January 2020, it was clear that Wall Street bets is you know that's that's the kind of the place to be. That's the kind of you know the yeah, the, yeah that's the center of of that world. Yeah, yeah,
1: it's definitely definitely the epicenter ap- of retail investing discussion. I mean, there's a lot of other forms out there, but uh, Wall Street bets is definitely <laughs> you know the the. the the most interesting, I think, both in terms of like the type of discussion that's happening on there, where it's definitely a, a pretty wide spectrum in terms of some people on there are just looking to joke around and you know make memes and make jokes about companies, whereas there are other people who are posting pretty serious due diligence and you know yeah. long research on companies that they've done. So um, it's yeah, it's really interesting in that regard, and then also just obviously a, a very large community where there's a lot of discussion happening.
0: It's got its own. It's got its own vocab and slang, doesn't it? As well. So if you <laughs> yeah, so if that's your focus and you're scraping it and kind of passing it for for insights and trying to understand what everyone's talking about on a kind of manageable basis, then yeah. does the kind of the the sector knowledge, the understanding of the way people on on Wall Street bet, is that is that kind of integral? So in a way, you have to be a specialist to to, yeah. to pass it. Does it work? Like yeah, that?
1: yeah, yeah. I'd say there's definitely a few ways that we've. You know, thought about product development, thought about how we're developing our data feeds that have been very much shaped by certain nuances of the community, certain nuances in how they talk. Like for example, uh, you know' it's, it's one thing to just like you know use a pre-built sentiment model to look at the sentiment of the conversations, but really that I don't think that really gets you that far because a lot of the words that these people are using to talk, about stocks are not going to be found in like your standard pre-chain sentiment model. Like you're not going to find words like moon, like YOLO, like rocket ship emojis. Like these things just aren't going to show up in any pre-built models. So Mm. we had to do some thinking about ways that we can, uh, you know, kind of customize the sentiment features that we're offering in order to um, give a better idea of the actual nature of that discussion and kind of account for some of those uh, specific vocabulary terms that people like to use a lot on there. Um, And then also just thinking about like the dynamics of uh, how certain posts kind of reach the, uh, like the focus of the community where you'll have, you have the fact that Wall Street Bets is just a small community within Reddit as a whole. So there's some interesting dynamics there where, for example, if a post on Wall Street Bets ends up making the front page of Reddit, it gets just magnitudes more exposure than it would have gotten if it was just being seen by people within that community. So. Um, there's things like that that have kind of shaped the way that we think about what data we're looking at, like how we go and collect it, and what's the best way to present it to people.
0: Yeah. Okay. And so you began. I've I asked you how you started, and you said Wall Street Bets. Is that would you still say that that is the main focus, or have you expanded beyond it?
1: Yeah. So Wall Street Bets was definitely what got us started, but at this point, we're basically trying to collect any alternative data sources we can gather from public web scraping. So. Uh, we obviously still do wall street bets but we also look at a handful of other i guess like social sentiment or social discussion sources Uh, we're looking at a few esg sources and then we also source a lot of data from public government uh you know data data transparency uploads basically so we're looking at things like senate stock trading house stock trading um government contracts government lobbying basically you know across the board anything we can get our hands on that we think is going to be really useful and interesting to retail investors i'd say that as a whole is our focus rather than any one specific data source
0: so you touched on the other interesting thing about you which is not only are you looking at or you initially started by looking at retail investors um and what they were saying as part of your data but also you've got a big focus on actually serving retail investors. So while most alternative data and, you know, web scraping and things tends to quite often come from either happen within a fund or has happened with a large alternative data provider or small alternative data provider, which is then selling the uh, the data to potentially a hedge fund or, or, or someone else for quite often a, a sizable watch of money. The beginning of Quiver Quantitative was thinking about serving the retail investor market and giving them alternative data is that right? And and if so, how does that? How did you picture it?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that, that's been our goal from the start is to make alternative data accessible to everybody, uh, both retail investors and you know, obviously, it's already very accessible and very widely used in a professional setting. Um, but as you as you touched on, there really aren't many alternative data providers providers out there who make their data accessible to audiences that don't have thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars to spend every year on acquiring these data sets. And um, we really see this as a big opportunity because obviously retail investors are trying to make the the smartest trading decisions possible just as much as professional investors are. And there are a lot of data sources out there that actually don't require a really deep data background or like a really deep finance background to understand and make use of. You know, obviously there's some data sets out there that are being used widely by, by hedge funds that just wouldn't be useful to someone who doesn't have that professional investing background. But we've also found that there are a lot of data sets out there that are really useful and are really interesting to people across the board. Even someone who's you know maybe just a high school or college student who's picking up Robinhood for the first time.
0: Uh, do you see them using software? Like, what kind of technology might a, a retail investor be using in order to um, in order to kind of get, to pass? to extract useful information or insights out of, out of alternative data. Cause it's, it's famously difficult to do in a way yeah. and, and kind of technical.
1: Yeah. So that, that's been a big, I guess, part of what we're trying to address is finding a way to take these data sets and then visualize it and present it in a way where it's easier for people to use without pulling up Python or pulling up Excel or something to do a deeper dive into the raw data. So. A lot of the work that we've done has been building visualizations on top of these data feeds so it's easy for people to pull insights away from them and easy for them to start applying it to their own trading decisions um you know versus just having it be like a bulk csv that they download and have to do their own research on or have it be an api that they tie into and have to do their own back testing on top of so um you know we still do provide our raw data through our api but um, in general, our web platform at quiverquant.com is the main way that we try to get this data in front of people.
0: It seems to me that there might be a circularity to what you're what you're offering in a way, because some of what your data is is studying the activity of retail investors and trying to understand what they're excited about. But then at the other side of your business is offering data, the same data in some in some ways, but also offering visualizations to kind of prepared visualizations to retail investors for them to get excited about them. And the fact that you're using visualizations uh, suggests that you might be creating some kind of a kind of bottleneck effect because you're, you can only create a certain number of visualizations and then 90,000 uh, retail investors who subscribe to your website Will see those specific visualizations and then may invest off the back of them, which may in turn in turn drive retail investment, from which you then are creating data. Is that yeah? Is there a, is there a circularity to it?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, to a certain extent, like obviously, um, you know, anything that increases the amount of retail investors or increases the interest level of retail investors is going to be good for our businesses. We're looking to uh not only grow the number of retail investors that are out there, but also grow the number of retail investors that are actively using investment research tools and specifically actively using alternative data to drive their investment decisions. So um, you know, there are there are all sorts of self-compounding effects with a lot of the things we're doing where um, you know, like you touched on, the more that retail investors talk on Wall Street bets, the more that Wall Street bets starts to become a valuable tool for investors to be paying attention to and using that to inform their stock decisions and if more people are using wall street bets to inform their stock decisions then it's going to be more and more of a valuable tool for people to use so um, in a lot of ways you know the fact that we're we're building data feeds on top of retail activity um it is, it is self-compounding where um, you know the more activity there is the more the data feed is useful and you know that means that more and more people are going to be part of that community.
0: So your vision is that uh, retail, you're 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 making alternative data available to retail investors. So you're kind of um, giving it to the giving it to the masses in a way. How does that work um, financially in terms of do they do, does a retail investor subscribe to the to the package in order to get it?
1: Yeah, yeah. So for now, everything on our web platform has been completely free. Uh, we've really just been focused on user growth for that side of our business. So like you mentioned right now, we have about 95,000 registered users on the platform. Um, You know, we've been growing that pretty consistently over the last year and a half since we founded. And at some point, the idea is that we will introduce freemium offerings on top of the web platform where, you know, building additional tools on top of these data sets. And we will we'll likely be charging a monthly subscription fee for access to some of those tools. But For now, everything there has just been left completely free, just focusing on growing that audience. Um, And then at the same time, we also do have an API that we launched at the end of last year. And this has allowed us to start working with some other enterprises and some institutions who want to tie directly into the raw data feeds that we're building. So, you know, for example, if a brokerage wants to take some of our data and integrate it into their own platform, um, with our API, it's very easy for them to do so. And we can generate just monthly licensing fees basically through that.
0: Is a is an institution? Do they have the ability to uh, to buy insight in terms of what the retail investors are doing on your site? Uh, no, so we don't sell any of our user data to anyone. So yeah,
1: yeah, we don't sell it at all.
0: And so more broadly, obviously, retail investment has been a massive thing uh, for 2021. We saw uh, Wall Street Wall Street bets, GameStop, onwards. Um, how has your data has your data been able to predict ahead of these uh, ahead of these uh, events like you know the the, mm-hmm. the major the major movements in these in these stock prices for these for these stocks yeah. has it has it had a predictive capability or is it more of a tracking capability?
1: Yeah, yeah. So it's funny because uh, about two weeks prior to the Wall Street bets when that started making big headlines, we actually put out a newsletter taking a closer look at that that uh, data feed and part of that analysis was we, we did a write up on, I think it was about four or five different companies that had been starting to gain discussion within the wall street best community. GameStop was one of those five companies. So, you know, obviously when it then had this huge spike in the next couple of weeks that the timing was very good with that one, but just in general, we think that, um, you know, in a lot of instances, especially within wall street bets, you can kind of see trends starting to form before they actually play out and become common knowledge. Like, um, pretty much any company, whether it's like AMC, gamestop, um, you know, just recently you have companies like Clover that have had these huge spikes on the back of retail interest. You can see that coming if you look in the foresight. you know these are companies that have been gaining discussion on Wall Street bets for quite some time. so um, in a lot of ways we think that the Wall Street bets data feed and a lot of these other data feeds can be fairly predictive. Um, you know, just recently we've been doing some work looking at the, uh, data we have on personal stock trading by u.s senators and u.s representatives um, we're finding some some evidence there that that data may be worth tracking that you know there may be some insights from tracking what's being traded by by members of Congress um, so yeah in general you know obviously it's it's always a mix that kind of varies data feed by data feed but uh, we think with a lot of these feeds there are some important insights that can be gained by tracking them uh, you know right now
0: why do you think 2021 is the year of the retail investor in this way? You obviously saw it coming a little bit in 2020. What are the what are the what are the forces you see at play which is driving this?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that just the accessibility of retail investing in general where it's ridiculously easy for anyone to download an app on their phone, hook up their bank account and start trading within uh you know, a matter of minutes. I think that that's probably been the biggest factor towards this surge we've seen lately in retail investing. But obviously, you have other things as well, like the fact that we've had, you know, super low interest rates that have encouraged a lot of people to, uh, you know, start actively investing their money versus just leaving it to sit in the bank. And then also the surge that we've had in the stock market over the last, you know, I guess, decade plus now, I think that all of that's been a big factor that has encouraged a lot of people to, um, you know, start investing their money versus just letting it uh, sit in their savings account.
0: Have you seen any drop off in activity since people have started getting out of lockdown?
1: Personally on our on our platform we haven't we've been growing pretty consistently throughout uh, I guess throughout the last several months including to the end of lockdown. Um across the industry as a whole just based on some of the reports we've seen I think that there's definitely been um a bit of a slowdown in retail investing through that period. Um but yeah I mean with us we're still obviously uh you know young enough that we're not necessarily um you know, completely impacted by the retail investing industry as a whole, even though obviously, it's um, a, a somewhat important macro factor in our our company's growth.
0: And this is a bit of a kind of, you know, opinion question, instinct question. But personally, I'm aware that um, the retail investors tend to be the ones who get in last and, um, and suffer most when when the bubble pops in terms of the fact that they tend to be some of the least sophisticated um they tend to be the ones who are perhaps most susceptible to animal spirits as a result in terms of coming in just when when things have been rising so you know it's easy money yeah. and, and off you go type thing um i mean you you probably can't have any evidence of whether or not that's the case here but do you do you have a personal feeling about that
1: um yeah i mean i guess personally i'd say that it varies a lot investor by investor, but I think that a lot of retail investors are maybe a lot more sophisticated or at least like spend a lot more time thinking about the market and their positions than some people give them credit for. Like just looking through some of the analysis on on Wall Street bets on some of these communities, like even if these people don't have professional backgrounds in investing, I still think that they're being or at least a lot of the people are being fairly thoughtful about how they think about stocks and how they think about investing. And you know, in regards to uh, you know there potentially being a bubble, or these people potentially being hurt if the the bottom falls out on the market, and suddenly we we see another market crash. Um, I think that people have kind of been saying that for the last the last decade or so that we we may be at a at an all time high, we may be mm-hmm. about to see a big crash. So um, I think it's obviously really really hard to predict. Um, you know, if we're in a bubble, when a bubble is going to pop, and I think that um, you know discouraging people from investing because there may be some, you know, recession that's coming up, or we may be in a bubble, I think is, is only going to result in a lot of people missing out on the benefits of investing and generating higher returns in the stock market.
0: What's the, what's the future? What's the plan? Um, you, so one, it strikes me and, um, I, I, I'm, I'm sure you must've thought of it, but it strikes me that there is some crossover with the retail investor and also the kind of activity around crypto and NFTs and things like this at the moment. Is that, is that, is that on the, is that on the cards and expansion in that direction or um, what is the, what is the plan?
1: Yes. We've done a little bit of work with uh, data sets in the crypto space, uh, mostly just looking at sentiment and discussion around in, in like some uh, crypto forums, basically Uh It's definitely something on our radar because I know that a lot of our users do care a lot about crypto. And, you know, we've recently had some people who have asked us about whether we have any data sets around NFTs. So it's definitely something that's on our radar. For the most part, we focused on U.S. equities, but I think we'd like to expand that a bit more in the future to uh, look at other markets, then also look at other asset classes a bit more as well. So yeah, I mean, just in general, we're always on the lookout for new data sources that we think might be useful for people. I'd say that on average, we've been adding about two or three new data sets to our platform every month, Um, hoping to keep that up in the future and then also just keep on building new tools on top of these data sets to make it easier for people to use, easier for them to actually apply it to their investment decisions um, and basically make it so that someone can come to our site and then quickly get some great takeaways and some great investment ideas that they can go and apply to their own trading.
0: It strikes me that you've got potentially the choice of well I don't know i mean if I'm not sure if this is true or not, but you could see you could either be uh providing data on retail investors to institutional investors or providing retail providing data on retail investors to retail investors or both um do you do you see yourself primarily as A company that provides data on retail investors or a company that provides data to retail investors and do you or do you not have to make that choice
1: yeah yeah i'd say that we see ourselves mostly as a company that provides data to retail investors i mean like don't get me wrong we do have um like institutional clients who we sell our data feeds to and we have institutional clients particularly with the wall street bets data who have been really interesting interested in seeing what we've pulled together but in general, the mission of our company is to get alternative data in front of as many retail investors as possible. Um, we found that there's a, lot of, there's a lot of synergies between the retail and the institutional markets, where, for example, uh, the work that we've done with institutions has really helped us keen in on what data sets are actually being used by professionals to drive their investment decisions. It's helped us improve the data feeds that we're gathering so that we can get them up to that institutional quality and then turn around and present that same data to retail investors through our web platform. Um, and, to, and at the same time, the work that we've done with retail investors has been really helpful with developing new data feeds that institutions care about, because I think that more and more, a lot of institutions are starting to realize that what matters to retail investors is probably stuff that should matter to them as well. Um, and you know, if retail investors are going to be a big factor in this market, I think a lot of institutional investors are starting to get more interested in What, you know, what data sources are these people paying attention to? What factors are driving their investment decisions? Um, So in a lot of ways, I think the institutional market cares a lot about the retail investors and the retail investors care a lot about, um, you know, I guess what the institutional market finds valuable as well.
0: Yeah. The retail investors obviously will care a lot about a specific stock at a specific time, um, whether it's, you know, GameStop or, or AMC or whatever. Um, but is there a um what 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 kind can you can you step back from that and say what kind of information retail investors tend to look for, what kinds of data they're most interested in? Can you read across any kind of hard rules no no matter what the time?
1: Yeah, I'd say it varies a lot, but in general we've seen a lot of people who want to make their investment decisions based on opinions that they may have completely detached from investing whatsoever. So for example, like um, one of the data sets that we were working on around election season was a data set that was looking at the correlation between different stock prices and different presidential candidates' election odds. And we saw a lot of interest from people in that data set because I think pretty much anyone you talk to um, has a very strong opinion, or at least anyone in the U.S. you talk to had a very strong opinion on how the U.S. presidential election was going to turn out in the last election cycle. And mm. I think that a lot of retail investors want to be able to take those strong opinions that they have and then apply it to their portfolio, apply it to their trading decisions as well. Um, just for another example, like, you know, the Senate and House trading data has been a very popular data set for us. And I think the reason it's been so popular, just based on some of the discourse I've seen around it, is that there are a lot of people who have very strong opinions about stock trading by senators and representatives. And, you know, they, they think that, that these investors that these um, lawmakers have inside information that they're using to make better investment decisions, so they want to be able to take that and then use it for their own trading decisions as well. So I think that a lot of retail investors are driven by narrative, and you know they want to have a strong story to back up their trading decisions. So I think that what some of these alternative data feeds can provide is a way for people to take their opinions about something that may not be directly linked to. Uh, you know, investing or to a company's financials, and find a way to apply it to their trading decisions.
0: Do you feel if you could, is there a is there a uniting factor about your ninety five thousand users? Would you say that they are of a specific um, political bent, or are they perhaps the more sophisticated end of the retail market, or would you be able to draw a draw draw any any um any line around them to say that they're this kind of people?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'd say generally they're younger uh, investors with a more sophisticated bent. So I'd say that, um, you know, based on the discussions we've had with some of these users and the surveys we've done of our user base, it's leans towards the millennial and Gen Z side of the spectrum. But at the same time, these are people who care very much about making informed investment decisions and using data to back up the decisions that they're making. So I'd say it's definitely on the more sophisticated end of the spectrum as far as retail investors go.
0: Do you have a forum where they can talk to each other? Uh,
1: we don't. We have a, a Twitter feed and, you know, Instagram and some of these social accounts, but we don't currently have our own, um, you know, like Reddit community or anything like that.
0: There's so much circularity to this. It's going to disappear <laughs> into itself. It's uh, it's amazing. Yeah, um, yeah. Okay. Fantastic. I think, James, um, I'm out of, I'm out of question. Is there anything else interesting which I haven't asked you? Um, not that I can think of, no. Yeah. No, I mean, it's for me, it's been a it's been a fascinating, um, a fascinating conversation. So um, thank you so much. Uh, really, really interesting chat. And um, we will be I will be watching with close, close interest as to what happens with with Quiver Quantitative and this whole retail um, phenomenon, which which we're watching um, overall. Yeah, thank you.